Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, and Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce in the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to your first weekend of June, and I'll tell you what, this is a very good weekend to go fishing in a couple of states because it's absolutely free to do so. If you are a Saturday listener and you are anywhere close to Wyoming, might want to head over there and maybe fish for some cutthroat or walleye or pike or anything else that fancies your pleasure. Because it's free to do so whether you're a Wyoming resident or not. And this is also the weekend to go not just fishing, but also crabbing and clamming in Oregon. And boy, oh boy, there's some great crabbing to be had with plentiful limits, way better than Washington State's limits. And unlike Wyoming, where it's just Saturday, in Oregon, you can fish, clam, and crab both Saturday and Sunday. And you don't have to be a resident of Oregon to do so. Sounds like a great excuse to hit the water to me or go on a road trip if you're in a neighboring state. This week on the show, we've got some fishing reports for you that might help you make some decisions about where to go. One of those is from our friend Bob Loomis. We'll be talking about kokanee fishing and some of his favorite places and and some of the waters he's been getting reports from as of late. We'll also talk to Kevin Whitty, the owner of Upriver Outfitters, about the outstanding walleye fishing going on at Lake Roosevelt in Northeast Oregon. And sticking with outstanding fishing, Doug St. Denis with Ridge to River Outdoors is going to check in with a Western Washington bass fishing report because the bass fishing has been lights out at several lakes over there. Another fishing report will come from Roger Phillips. He's the public information supervisor for the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. He'll tell you how Chinook salmon fishing has been over the last couple of weeks. We'll also talk about a really interesting study that they did at Idaho's Alpine Lakes to determine how much of an impact anglers are having on populations there. And then we'll talk about some wildlife issues to include. What do you do if you find a bat in your house or your cabin? Last but not least, we'll be talking with the founder of Cross the Divide. That would be Emil Mored, who spent 28 years in the service of our country as a chaplain for both the Navy and Marine Corps. This is an organization that has evolved from Divide Camp. Divide Camp is located in Wallowa County in Northeast Oregon, and it was the base camp for adventures for post-9-11 combat veterans who would go backpacking or hunting or fishing and using these activities as a means of therapy while associating with fellow combat vets. Cross the Divide is a little bit different. It serves all veterans, and it's also faith-based, Christian faith-based, but it still provides the same valuable service of using the outdoors as therapy for our veterans. We'll let you know about some of the activities they've got coming up to include a kokanee derby at Wallowa Lake later this month, and you are welcome to attend whether you're a veteran or not. Throw in our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, and as always, we've got a great show coming your way. So, let's get it started the way we always do with another edition of Sportsman's Spotlight. A follow-up on a conversation with Fish and Game official Roger Phillips regarding mortality rates with elk and deer. I started off with a question, or a remark. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Interestingly, you hear these stories about the elk hunter, the deer hunter that comes back home and tells the wife, well, the wolves took them all. 
That's why I didn't get anything. You know, sometimes that might be accurate, but for the most part, predators take a lot less than people think. We're kind of a broken record on this, but weather is really the biggest factor and habitat in how many deer and elk we can have. And that's been proven time and time again. And there's other things included in weather. Like we've learned that when we have a big snow year, and this shouldn't come as a huge surprise to anybody, but we have a big snow year in an area with lots of wolf backs, they have the advantage and they can take down a lot of elk during a winter like that. And wolves aren't the only predators. A few examples include black bears that can be very effective at finding newborn elk calves and white-tailed fawns in the spring, but rarely prey on adults or even older calves and fawns any other time of the year. Coyotes can be significant predators of newborn and wintering mule deer fawns, preying on them before they grow big enough to avoid them, or when fawns are weakened by winter. Mountain lions are an effective year-round predator on deer and elk, even though lions can typically be at low population densities, they can have an effect on local herds. BearSerialExperts.com presents from the desk of an expert. Hi, this is Ann in North Dakota. I've been having a heck of a time with kochia in my spring wheat, and I'm starting to see some other weeds. Yes, kochia was a real problem last year due to drought. You may also be seeing other pigweeds emerging in your field, such as Palmer amaranth. Thus, it's important to use a broad-spectrum herbicide. I've seen water hemp, but Palmer in the northern plains? Unfortunately, it's an emerging threat. There's a great video on SerialExperts.com that goes into more detail. The Ag Information Network, covering over half of the nation's potato acres and a third of the nation's wheat. We've been bringing news and information to these Pacific Northwest producers for 40 years on 73 radio stations. With the large amount of farmland that our network covers, our region's farmers are on the go, tuning in behind the wheel of a truck or tractor. The Ag Information Network, trusted and transparent journalism lasting for the next generation. Nature at its finest. That's what you'll find in Northeast Oregon's Wallawa County. Paddle a kayak or go fishing at Wallawa Lake. Hike into the Eagle Cap Wilderness or soak in the views after taking the tram to the top of Mount Howard. That's why we're home to one of Oregon's seven wonders. Find out more at WallawaCountyChamber.com. I'm gonna take you fishing, honey. You're gonna love it. Gonna get up before the sun. Rise above us. Got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat. It ain't much, but if you You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thought we'd share a couple fishing reports with you from the Evergreen State. And our first guest is Kevin Whitty. He is the owner of Upriver Outfitter, and he likes to fish at that huge impoundment of the Columbia River called Lake Roosevelt in northeast Washington. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. I have heard rumors that the walleye fishing has been very good on Lake Roosevelt but I'm not exactly sure where to catch them. Why don't you tell us? The walleye fishing's been really good down on the Spokane Arm, trolling worm harnesses and crankbaits, and also up here we're out of Kettle Falls. And are you using the same tactics up at Kettle Falls that you would use down there? Yeah, there's still some people jigging, which is still very effective, but most people are switching over to the worm harnesses and bottom walkers. I know that Max Lure makes quite a few of those worm harnesses. Are there any ones in particular you use from them? Some of their new high UV glow, particularly green and yellow, and like in the chartreuse spectrums. Is that because the water's a little muddy? The water's been very muddy, and there's a lot of debris in the water, and we're just trying to get as much color transmission as we can off the bait. How many fish are your anglers catching a day, and what's the size of them? 
Our fish vary. Some of the Spokane arm fish were small for a week or two, but I'd, I'd say our average fish is like the 14 to 18 inch range, and some going up over 22 inches. Currently, up at a Kettle Falls, we're averaging probably 30 to 50 fish a day. Oh, nice, nice, and that's for two or three clients on the boat. That's four people on the boat. Still, that's a great day of fishing. Dozen or so fish a day is, is uh, nothing to sneeze at, so that's fantastic. All right, so how long is the walleye fishing going to stay good, do you think, based on previous experience? This year, everything's kind of pushed back a little bit compared to previous years, so I think we'll see good walleye fishing all the way into the end of June this year. Okay, and that brings up my next question. I know generally in the summers, you are doing catch-and-keep sturgeon fishing because they have a whole bunch of hatchery sturgeon up there in Lake Roosevelt, and it's one of the few places in the Northwest where you can actually keep a sturgeon. But I also understand there's been some changes to that season this year. Yeah, they closed our summer season down due to high water temps and worrying about the big broodstock breeders getting hurt by the water temperatures. So this year they've changed the season. I believe it's September 15th through the 1st of December this year up here. And what's the, the size that you can actually keep them? And I know it's just one a day, isn't it? It's one a day, two a year. And as far as I understand, it's still 53 to 63. And are you going to stay up there in July and August? Or are you going to head down to the Upper Columbia and do some uh, summer Chinook fishing? I'm going to do both. I have quite a few clients that are really out to find that trophy kokanee on Roosevelt. So we're going to be doing downrigger fishing on the lower basin of Lake Roosevelt. And then also going down and spending a couple weeks at Brewster and Chelan Falls. Jason Sockeye and Summer Run Kings. Well, and if it's anything like last year, I'm sure it's going to be a very good for both. So uh, the summer forecast is looking pretty good so far, even though WDFW has once again, in my opinion, underestimated the run like they seem to every year when it comes to Sockeye. Let's talk a little bit about that kokanee fishery, though. I've always associated the, the trophy kokanee fishery at Lake Roosevelt as a winter fishery. I didn't know that people were pulling it off in the summer months, too. Well, I think, I think your large number of trips come from the winter fishery, and you can also get those out of the summer, but typically it's less kokanee in the summer, but they're larger size. They're all putting on their weight. How so, big are the kokanee right now in Lake Roosevelt? Because I know it's all very cyclical. I've averaged about four-pound fish this year. Oh, geez. We've seen more small fish this year, which is not a bad thing. It's a good sign for the future. You know, Typically, we let those 14-inch fish and smaller go and try to keep those 18 to 22 inch kokanee. Well, that sounds like a, a great thing to target. Again, folks, kokanee, they're landlocked sockeye salmon, and unlike the salmon coming up to Columbia, their meat's not turning as they get ready to spawn, at least not until the fall. So, sounds like a whole lot of good reasons to go fishing with you in the near future. And one thing I want to mention, you are also a, a veteran-owned company. You, like me, are an Army veteran, aren't you? Yes, sir. And where did you serve? I did Iraq for about 18 months. And then I was a wrecker operator and recovery specialist, heavy diesel mechanic. Well, your service is a lot tougher than mine, so thank you for that. And do you have any discounts for veterans? I know that you've been involved in some veterans' events in the past. I still work quite a bit with uh, the Fallen Outdoors, which is a veterans' nonprofit just getting vets out in the woods hunting and fishing for free. 
Typically, if somebody asks, I'll give them a discount, or I try to just make it more worth their while, and we'll give them some extra time on the water, you know, vary up the trip a little bit, try to give them a little bit extra bang for their money. All right. Well, whether or not you're a veteran, going fishing with Kevin Whitty on Lake Roosevelt or the Upper Columbia sounds like all sorts of fun. You can go after walleye right now, and you can catch a whole bunch of them. Later this summer, you can go after kokanee or on the Columbia for sockeye and summer chinook. And then, in the fall, it's time to catch and keep a sturgeon or two. The website to go to is UpRiverOutfitter.com. That's UpRiverOutfitter.com. You can also find that on Facebook as well. Kevin, thanks for the update from Lake Roosevelt. Anytime, John. Thank you very much for calling. From Northeast Washington, we move to Northwest Washington. We've got Doug St. Denis on the line. He's the man behind Ridge to River Outdoors and 365 Charters, LLC. Because Doug has been bass fishing at some of our western Washington lakes. Doug, where have you been and how's the fishing been? Boy, John, great to be with you again. Fishing has been great. I've been hitting Lake Goodwin and Watcom Lake up out of Bellingham very consistently. And boy... The fish are locked on the beds, and it couldn't be better. We're very fortunate this year, unlike last year. Right. Last year, we had that really cold spring. This year's been a little bit different. So I'm seeing on your Facebook page primarily smallmouth bass. Is that correct? Yes. Haven't quite seen any of the largemouth on the beds yet. I think they'll probably start moving up on the beds here in the next week or so. So especially on Lake Watcom, we're going to be looking for some of those largemouth beds. So let's talk about targeting the smallmouth versus the largemouth when they're on the spawning beds because the smallies, they tend to be a little bit deeper. They don't come up as shallow as the largemouth. So how are you catching them? Okay, so I'm a big proponent of creature bait style fishing. I want to get that bait beyond the bed and I want to creep it in slowly as though that creature is trying to feed on what's in the bed. So whether that's a crawdad presentation, whether it's a bearded grub, a tube, a crawdad, a lizard, all of that, I want to creep it into. So into the bed. So I'm going to be using like drop shot. I'll use med heads. I'll have Texas rig tubes and bearded grubs. Might even put like a bearded grub or a tube on like a rugby head jig head so that bait's standing up, you know, in the water. So as you pull it through and pause, and the pause is critical for this type of fishing, that gets the bass to turn and react. And a lot of times you'll be able to visually see that bass turn Focus on your bait, and the moment you pause it, you've got a fish on. Hold on. Oh, that sounds like a ton of fun. And, folks, if you want to go bass fishing with Doug, uh, he will teach you a lot while you're out on the water. You're going to have a great time. And as you just heard, right now is prime time for bass fishing in western Washington. So go to his website at ridgetoriveroutdoors.com or to his Facebook page, which is Ridge to River Outdoors and 365 Charters, LLC. Doug, thanks for the report. Thank you, John. Gonna get up before the sun Rise above us Got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat It ain't much, but if you bail, it'll float I'm gonna take you fishing, honey You're gonna love it This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafoods. That's the company that delivers delicious, wild-caught Alaskan seafood right to your door. Everything from copper river sockeye salmon to halibut to sable fish and even king crab legs. 
Better still, they are offering a 10% discount to our listeners. If you want to take advantage of that, go to SinaC.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaC.com, and put in the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO. Once you do that, you get 10% off your entire order. The website again, SinaC.com, and the promo code for 10% off, OUTDOORSRADIO. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lur. You know what time it is. It's time for another extended Max Minute. And once again, Bob Loomis with Max Lure is with us. Bob, welcome back. Thank you, John. So it is springtime. It is time to catch some kokanee. And I was actually talking to one of your pro guides, Brianna Bruce, with Living Life Adventures. She's yeah. been out at Lake Stevens and uh, the kokanee there are pretty good size this year. They're also pretty good size, she says, at Lake Chelan. Have you been getting any fishing reports? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was supposed to go last night, but uh, didn't make it. But anyhow, the fishing, obviously, we're going into that springtime. Even though everything's a little bit late, fishing is starting to get good all around the whole Pacific Northwest. So... You know, Odell was still pretty froze up on opening day. Detroit is fishing fantastic. I mean, they're they're doing really well on Detroit. Anderson is still a little bit froze, but I know some guys that have actually been fishing it and doing very, very well. All right. Well, you've got some ideas of where to go fishing for kokanee in Washington and Oregon and Idaho. Now, here's the next question. If you were to go to any of these lakes right now, what would you tie on to catch some of these kokanee? You know, one of the first things that I would play with is probably going to be a peewee wiggle hoochie. You know, the peewee wiggle hoochie has that crankbait type bill on the front of it with a small hoochie on the back. So you get that added movement for attraction and triggering a bite. So it works very, very well. But you don't want to fish it like you would a typical hoochie. You want to fish it with a little bit longer leader to allow that crankbait bill to move back and forth and give it that freedom of movement. So you've got a, a, a movable lure that's going to put movement on itself versus a typical spinner or just a straight hoochie. Well, next week we're going to talk about how to fish this, but we're out of time for now. But look for the Wee Wiggle Hoochie at a sporting goods store near you or online anytime at maxlure.com. Looking for that extra something that will get more salmon or trout into your boat? Then check out the Double D Dodger from Max Lure. The Double D does double duty and helps you catch more fish. The Double D's flash attracts lunkers and the Dodger's patented stop-start action works wonders to get those fish biting. The Double D does even more by acting as a side planer to get your bait away from the boat where the fish are more likely to be and more apt to strike. The Double D Dodger, it's the Dodger you've got to have from Max Lure. Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. 
First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. Backcountryhunters.org. Join the fight for our public lands and waters today. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. It's time for one of our regular check-ins with the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. And Roger Phillips, the supervisor when it comes to public information for that agency, is joining us again on the line. Roger, always a pleasure. Great to be here on this lovely spring day. Oh, it sure is. And I thought we would start off talking a little bit about fishing. The spring Chinook run was really late in coming this year, but it did eventually come. And we've got over 100,000 fish over Bonneville Dam. And I know a lot of those are going to be heading up the snake in the clear water. How has the fishing been so far? Well, it's been fairly slow, like you mentioned, and this is not uncommon when we have big snow years like this. You know, those fish start heading upstream and then just get hit by that wall of cold water coming downstream from that snow melt, kind of sets them down for a while, and then they continue. So we're looking at some pretty high rivers around here, and they have picked up a few fish around Lewiston. And I expect things, when when those rivers start dropping and warming just a little bit, fishing's going to really turn on well. And for your listeners, we did reduce the bag limit on the lower salmon and little salmon rivers to one fish per day. We weren't getting quite as many fish as we'd hoped from those runs. So that's to kind of prolong that season out. But we still should have some good fishing in that Reagan's area, too. Folks should know that it's only one adult per day. Good to know. Let's turn our attention from Spring Chinook to Alpine Lakes Trout. You recently did a study I thought was very interesting about harvest and mortality in the Alpine Lakes. I've never heard of another state do this before. Yeah, you know, our, our research folks and our fisheries folks are really involved in stuff like this, and they, they kind of ask those common questions of, you know, is what we're doing working as far as providing angling opportunity and people catching some fish. So they had the chance to go up into some of these alpine lakes and, you know, do what they typically do, tag some trout, and then people report back when they catch these things. And so it's a very interesting process because you think that, you know, and and to bore you with the details a little bit, this is what really fascinates me about fisheries management. We don't just tag 100 fish and then we see how many of those get caught we tag some with two tags and we have these various methods they use. So not only do they know who caught a fish with a tag in it, but they can also determine how many people caught a fish and didn't report it, or at least an estimate and things like that to where they put this all into their magic biology blender and then come out with a number and get a really good assumption of, you know, how well these lakes are doing at producing fish for anglers. And it's, again, to me, it's, it's really fascinating, but it's, you know, it shows quick factoid on an annual basis, anglers catch and release slightly more fish, 9.2% of the population, than they harvest 7.3%. So it, it's one of those things that those guys are able to go out and with a huge assistance from anglers, kind of figure out how many of these fish that were put in lakes are actually getting caught. And I saw that the, the whole reason they were doing this is that they were trying to figure out 
whether angling harvest was affecting the populations or not. And the takeaway on this was that no, it really isn't because there's already 50% mortality in most of these alpine lakes from year to year just due to winter conditions. So that was really interesting yeah. to me that the study happened and that at the end, no, you don't have to change the regulations. You can still keep six trout a day and it, you don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing is, you know, our biologists are really, you know, they're very analytical and they hear what people say about, well, you need to do this to change the rules to protect this fish. And they'll say, okay, if we did that, is it going to do what's intended? And that's where a lot of this tagging and these catch rates and things like this come in. And this is another example of, you know, I won't say counterintuitive, but you know, people think, well, if we turn them all loose and we limit the harvest, we're going to have more fish. But that's not always the case because, you know, the way these fish die isn't always from anglers. A lot of other things get them, too. And so, again, this is just using that science to apply to management to get to what to where we're all after rather than just changing regs willy-nilly because we think something might happen. Well, let's turn our attention now to animals on the loose, so to speak. You've got a moose that was wandering around Boise recently, and you've apparently got quite a few yearling moose, bull moose, that are, well, just doing a walkabout through the gem state. Yeah, you know, we have this every year, and, and moose are a really interesting animal because they're a little more solitary than, you know, deer and elk, which run in herds typically. And they also have a very cavalier attitude toward people and towns. It's like, if they want to go there, they're just going to go there. <laughs> and so one, one thing we always ask is for people to give them plenty of space, and we see this happen this time of year, especially as those yearlings leave their mothers. They're kind of like, you know, teenagers who just haven't quite figured things out yet, and they're going to go out and do dumb things. And so as long as people just kind of give them their space, let them be, and they don't get into any real trouble, they'll usually wander off and be moose in the woods instead of moose in the city, which fortunately was so far as the case with our moose that wandered into Boise here this week. So yeah, moose are interesting critters. We got a lot of them in Idaho, and we probably have more reports of moose in town considering than we do a lot of other animals. So it's fortunately most of them tend to wander away too, or we have to go dart them and relocate them. But usually they end up back where they're supposed to be eventually. You know, June now, and you wouldn't think we'd be talking about bears coming out of hibernation, but a lot of Idaho had a really long winter. So you do have some very hungry bears that are just coming out of hibernation right now, and that can pose some problems for homeowners, can't it? Yeah, and, and recreationists too. And so that's just, you know, another thing to keep in mind for folks is, you know, they're out doing different things that they might encounter bears. And if they've got things that they've had out, whether it be garbage or pet food or other things like that all winter where we didn't really have to think about bears because, like you said, they were hibernating. Now they're back out again. So it's just a good reminder that your garbage and your pet food and other things can attract bears. And so if people can properly store that. It helps us keep bears where we want them, and that's out in the wild. Right. And for the campers out there, like you said, bear-proof coolers, very good idea this time of year. One other thing that really got my attention uh, was something a little bit different in your press release section, and it was about bats and what you do if you have a bat in your house. I ran across this one time when I was at a cabin in central Oregon, where my wife and I found a a bat in the rafters, so to speak, and then it started flying around inside the cabin. So what do you suggest people do if a bat flies in their house? 
Well, there's a couple of things to consider, and there's kind of two scenarios here. And one, like what you're talking about, is what we prefer to see. You know, a bat inadvertently got in the house, how to get it out. And we've got a great video, but the the take-home is never touch one with with your bare hands, which, you know, it's kind of a common sense thing, but it bears repeating. And then, you know, open doors and windows, try and help it get out on its own. And then if it's sitting someplace, you can put a box over it. You can slide something underneath it and then take it outside and let it go. I learned something from that video, so I do recommend watching it. Bats can't just fly off the ground or out of a box sitting on the ground. So they have to kind of be elevated and kind of launch and then take off. And then the second situation, which is, you know, pretty darn important. If you happen to be sleeping someplace, you wake up in the morning and there's suddenly a bat in your bedroom. That's kind of a different situation where, you know, there's a possibility that bat could have scratched or bit you and possibly be be rabid, even though I'd also learned that less than 1% of bats actually have rabies and they usually die before they encounter anybody. But at the same time, that possibility exists. That's where you want to trap that bat and then have it tested for rabies. All right. Great advice, as always, from the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. And if you want to see more of the press releases, they've changed the website. It's not as easy to find. So just go to the Idaho Fish and Game website. And when you go to the tabs, go to the About Us tab. They don't have the Media tab anymore. It's the About Us tab. And when you open that tab, you'll find the Media and Press Release tab. So go there for more information about all these topics we just talked about. And if you haven't made plans already, plan on fishing or hunting or doing some wildlife watching in the Gem State this summer. It's a great place to do it. Roger, thanks as always. No, thank you, John, and you have a lovely weekend. Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program, and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We are going to visit with Emil Mored. He is the founder of Cross the Divide. This is an offshoot of an organization formerly known as Divide Camp, which is located in Wallowa County, Oregon. Emil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, John. I'm so glad that I have an opportunity to share what we're doing with your guests. Well, I know Divide Camp. Again, they actually had a headquarters in Joseph, Oregon, and they were an organization dedicated to getting combat veterans into the outdoors as a means of therapy and healing. And Cross the Divide is doing something similar, but you're doing it with a Christian-based faith to further increase this, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Julie Wheeler who owns the property still out there in Joseph in the Wallowa Mountains, started that camp uh, in 2009 on her property as an outreach specifically to post-9-11 combat wounded veterans. And she had a big heart and a big faith, and it allowed that program to really expand. She always wanted it to be faith-based, to be God-focused. 
so when she and I started talking, and that was something that was important to me coming out of 28 years as a Navy and Marine Corps chaplain, she was uh, very excited to know that it was going to pivot to a more overtly faith-based corporation or nonprofit. We've also expanded our outreach to all veterans and their families while continuing to support combat wounded veterans. And we're now in 10 states as of this year. Actually, it looks like we may be in 11. I'll let you know on Monday, but things are growing very quickly. Well, that is fantastic. Now, uh, previously, uh, like you mentioned, there was actually a camp with some cabins in Wallowa County. Does that still exist? It does. So that's Julie's property, a rustic camp that she used to provide that sort of restoration and hope to combat wounded veterans. And that's still there. Julie has been looking for someone to take care of the camp. And in fact, if there's somebody that is listening that may be interested in, in something like that, I'm sure she would be glad to hear from you. But we have pivoted for a few different reasons, largely to backpacking events and, and that sort of a thing, which makes us a lot more mobile. And during the transition also really helped us use uh, the finances that we had available to us uh, efficiently. Well, I know that you are also operating in other states now. I know on the 31st, you had a Memorial Day flag relay run in Alabama. And this weekend, you got a trout fishing retreat in Mountain View, Arkansas. But the events you got coming up in June, they're all in Wallowa County. At least two out of three are in Wallowa County. Why don't you tell our listeners what they are, starting off with the Kokanee Fishing Tournament at Wallowa Lake. Yeah, absolutely. This is actually our second annual Kokanee Tournament at Wallowa Lake. And interestingly, we discovered last year when we were planning it, according to Oregon's Department of Fish and Wildlife, there's never been a Kokanee Fishing Derby or tournament on that lake. And so not only is it our second annual, but it's the second only Kokanee Fishing Derby there on that lake. And our hunting and fishing program coordinator, Andy Markham, who lives there in Wallowa County, is the one who's been organizing all this. And Andy is not only is he a Marine, but he is just an absolute fantastic partner in this ministry and this outreach. And this is really more of something to build awareness and to bring folks together. We have a lot of different people coming from at least a few different states to lean into this Kokanee tournament, both with volunteering and helping, but as as well to put their rods in the water and see what they can get. It's a lot of fun. So if you haven't signed up June 16 to 17, uh, we still have probably room for another boat or two on that large lake. Feel free to get on our website and register. The other event that you're referring to, I believe, is the horse camping trip that we have on June 25 to 29. That's our first event like this, brand new. So this is sort of what I call Mark 1 Mod 0 or our prototype event. Uh, Really looking forward to it. Another Marine, Dan Bostet, who now lives in Joseph, will be heading that, facilitating that. And a wonderful, wonderful man by the name of Jeff Campbell, who's been using horses for therapy, mostly with uh, children for years. He and his wife have had a nonprofit themselves, but they've wanted to sort of branch out to helping veterans as well. And I'm not sure there's better partners to have down there for a trip like this. That trip is currently full, but if that's something you're interested in, please let us know. Send us information so that we can either plan something later this year or next year, or just so we kind of at least understand the demand signal for that kind of an event. Let me cut you off because I want to give folks information about the website. That would be crossthedivide.us, crossthedivide.us. And I want to be clear, so the Kokanee Fishing Tournament and the horse camping trip, these are open just to veterans, is that correct? No, the Kokanee Derby is open to everybody. It's 
just sort of a, an awareness building event for Cross the Divide to bring folks together. We have a lot of veterans sign up, but you're welcome to come and, and join in the tournament if you're not a veteran. The horse camping event, like our other retreats and like our guided fly fishing, our guided hunts, our backpacking, llama packing, horse camping, those are all specifically for veterans. And folks, if you're not aware of this, uh, we've mentioned this before, Wallawa Lake is not only a beautiful lake and a big lake, but it's also the place where the world record kokanee was caught about Mm -hmm. 15 years ago. So there's definitely some really big kokanee out there. What is the, the top prize for the big kokanee on this? Well, that's a great question. We've had the ability to... First of all, I just want to give a shout out. We've had some wonderful sponsors. Last year, we had Viridian Property Management who leaned in and gave us the the money for that big prize. This year, the grand prize is $2,500 and the big fish winner is $1,000. And we partnered with Wallowa County. They have monies that they give to support efforts and they wanted to specifically support the Kokanee Fishing Derby this year. And so thanks to them, we're able to make this an even bigger event than it was last year. Sounds fantastic. And again, folks, the, the dates for the Kokanee Fishing Tournament at Wallawa Lake, June 16th and 17th. Just go to crossthedivide.us and look for the link for the Fishing Derby. You can register and you can download the Derby Flyer. And again, first place prize is $2,500. The Big Fish winner is $1,000. And there's gear packages for second to fifth place. So a great excuse to head to Joseph and Wallawa County and go fishing for some big kokanee. One other event I want to talk about is the father-child llama packing trip, June 23rd through the 25th. Where is that taking place? That's going to be taking place in Washington State. It is in the Cascade Mountains uh, near a town called Lielum. We just have so much beauty in the Pacific Northwest. It's a different kind of beauty than you see in eastern Oregon or eastern Washington, and even different than what you see in the west on the other side of the mountains. But we have a wonderful gentleman by the name of Charlie Rosenberry, who, you know, in his previous life, he was a lawyer, and he saw so much in that job of people who were hurting and in need of help that he wanted to do something in addition to what he did as a lawyer. And so he started using his llamas to take out kids and and now veterans. He did some trips with Julie with Divide Camp, and now he does this with us a little closer to his home there in the Cascade Mountains. And this year, after I went and spoke at Lake City Community Church, which is just south of Tacoma near American Lake, they have a huge uh, outreach to veterans. And being near Joint Base Lewis-McChord, there are literally hundreds of veterans that they have an outreach to. And They asked if I could do something for them and specifically for fathers. And so we're doing a father-child llama packing trip, as you mentioned, more like a llama camping trip. We're going to camp in one spot and then do at least one day trip on that Saturday to just allow the fathers to reconnect with their kids in, in a meaningful way. We are out of time, but folks, again, the website to go to is crossthedivide.us. This is an organization that uses experiences in the outdoors as a means of therapy for veterans and trust me on this it works it really does work it's also a faith-based organization which is really important too if you want to participate in the kokanee derby whether you're a veteran or not or if you are a veteran want to participate in some of these other events again the website crossthedivide.us if you want to donate you can do that as well 
Yeah, John, and I'll just let you know there's a lot of folks who aren't veterans or who didn't have the opportunity to serve, and they come up to me and say, I wish I could just help somehow, but I love what you're doing. The great news is, just to piggyback on what you just said, there's a great way to help and continue to help our nation's warfighters and their families, and that's to partner with us. And you mentioned donating, and that is super helpful, but there's a lot of different ways folks can partner with us. So they're more than welcome to reach out. They can email us at info at crossdivide.us. Thanks so much for having us, John. I really appreciate it. You bet. Come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? That's right. You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning in to 69 stations in seven states. If you have a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts, this is the platform for you, and you're going to find it's much more affordable than you think. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. Before we go today, we've got time for one last shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with your host, John Cruz. I'm glad you're back because it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. And it's about Montana, which is a really, really big state. And anybody who's driven through that knows that very well. Now, to the north... Montana is bordered by Canada. And here's your question. How many Canadian provinces actually share a border with Montana? I'll give you a hint. Probably more than you think. And if you know the answer, you know what to do. 
Just shoot us an email through our website at northwesternoutdoors.com and let us know that way. Or you can go to our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Look for the post thread and give us your answer there. If we don't have the post thread up, just send us a message through Facebook and give us your answer that way. One lucky person who guesses right wins the $25 gift certificate we give away every week from America's Premier Outfitter, which has the camping gear you need to enjoy the outdoors this summer. As we mentioned at the top of the hour, this is a free fishing weekend in Oregon. No license required to go fishing, to go crabbing, or to harvest shellfish. So if you are in Oregon and don't have your license yet, this is a great excuse to get out there and enjoy one of these activities. And it's a great excuse if you're in one of the bordering states to head down to Oregon and do the same. Next Saturday, the 10th, will be a free fishing day in Idaho. And the 10th and 11th are free fishing days in Washington State. So you Oregonians can return the favor and Come on up to Washington and do some fishing there. As for Montana, that would be the 17th and the 18th. South Dakota also has a free fishing day on the 18th. And if you're a Saturday listener in Wyoming, your free fishing day is today. So if you're ever looking for an excuse to go fishing, you've got a whole bunch of them right here. And on that note, we've got to go. We'll wrap things up as we always do with a little music from Frank Prenovost. So until next time, take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. This must be the reason why I miss fishing more than I miss you. This must be the reason why I miss fishing more than I